This week's podcast is proudly brought to you by Ducks Unlimited. For 85 years, DU has worked to restore, enhance, and protect wetlands to the benefit of wildlife and people. It's a daunting challenge and one our supporters take very seriously because to them, nothing is more important than the outdoors we all cherish. And it all starts in our local chapter events. To find an event near you or to join our volunteer team, go to www.ducks.org. DU, a proud sponsor of the Lone Star Outdoors show and sportsmen everywhere. Howdy, everybody. This week's podcast also brought to you by Spartan Forge. Born in war, Spartan Forge was conceived while targeting terrorists. Think about that. Targeting bad guys during deployments in support of the global war on terror. We can also use this technology because of its similarities to track mature bucks. Now it's time to get this analysis into your hands. It's military-based intelligence, next-generation mapping. I absolutely love it. And I love the people behind Spartan Forge. They're like me. Second Amendment till the day we die. No exceptions. America first. Spartan Forge. Check it out by downloading the app today. Well, I'm gonna pick up some of these empties, Lord, as soon as I find where they lay. Tied off them jolly and leaving mines on a long, hot summer day. And forever day, I'm working on the Illinois River, get a half a day off with pay. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Cable Smith, welcome everybody into episode 637 of SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by good folks over at Mossberg Firearms. Thank you so much for being here today. Man, the uh, the dog days of summer just keep dragging on. I took Henry to uh, see Barcelona play Juventus for you non-soccer fans, and a lot of you are, and that's perfectly fine, but... Uh, those are two European clubs of, it's like the Yankees of Spain and Italy. Uh, but they came to Dallas and played the Cotton Bowl. Man, that place is a dump, by the way. Why don't they tear that stadium down? But there were 60,000 people in there. And when we left, <laughs> and that's why I opened with long, hot summer days, uh, Turnpike Troubadours. When we left the stadium, 10 p.m., Still 100 degrees outside in North Texas. Isn't that freaking ridiculous? Yeah, but uh, still a cool experience for the, the kiddo who loves soccer and baseball. Uh, but cool for him to get to see two clubs of that ilk come to North Texas. Um, and, and I enjoyed it as well, uh, minus the heat. But a few cold beers and you know I wasn't complaining. Although they, they scored four goals in the game. I went to get us uh, a couple of hot dogs and a beer, not for Henry. He got uh, Coca-Cola, but uh, I missed three goals. He scored three goals in like 10 minutes. I was like, what just happened? Anyway, uh, what else has been going on? Oh, I got uh, my bow restrung and tuned up. So you know me, the world's most average bow hunter. I'll be shooting every day from now until September 16th when I leave for Wyoming. So yeah, uh, not much has changed in the last 20 years. That's how I studied for college exams, cram, 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 and uh, <laughs> that's how I still uh, prepare for September archery elk. Uh, maybe some of y'all are in the same boat. Some of you are 
much more passionate about archery than me. And it's not that I don't love archery. It's just that I love everything else too. All kinds of hunting, fishing. Um, that stuff gets in the way of being a 100% dedicated bow hunter. But I do love it. And y'all know archery elk is my favorite week of every year when it comes to the outdoors. Um, what's on the docket for today? Let me tell you. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of coffee. That black rifle brew out of granddaddy's beat up bold Stanley Thermos. Because we're ready to rock and roll. And off the top, whoo, we got to roast BHA. We don't have a choice. They did something on Instagram that, in my opinion, is it, it just shows who they are. When you like anti gun posts from your former chairman of the board who wrote a book that is as anti gun as it gets, and I'm talking about Ryan Bussey, but when you like his posts, that are talking about taking away your Second Amendment rights, well, you've opened up a can of worms, and you're going to get flamed. If no one else in the outdoor industry is going to do it, so be it, but I will. And uh, I am not a fan of BHA. I do not believe that they are pro-gun at all, and uh, I'll explain why. And also some funny exchanges between Ryan and myself, and you'll see when I read his comments what just an elitist piece of trash he is. Uh, he is not pro-gun, he is not pro-hunting, and he's not pro-conservation, and we'll connect the dots there coming up in just a minute. Then uh, a much more light-hearted discussion when Tiffany Kirsten jumps on. She just was on the cover of Texas Monthly Magazine for having a big year. Uh, that's a term in the birdwatching community, uh, which I was unfamiliar with, but I am an avid bird enthusiast, bird watcher, uh, that's something my dad passed down, and it's something that uh, I don't think ever will go away. Uh, I love birds, love identifying the species. Tiffany Kirsten just set a new record for the number of species seen in a calendar year. It was uh, full of trials and tribulations, though, traveling all over the country, jumping on a plane just to go see one bird. <laughs> seems crazy, right? Uh, plus a story of recovery. She is a, a victim of um, sexual assault, and that weighed heavy on her mind as she's traveling across the country alone a lot of the time. Um, but we're going to talk about her big year, some of the cool birds that she saw, the, the experiences that she had. Uh, she's also a passionate archer and hunter as well, not something you would really think would be common among the birding community, but she gets it. So, um, yeah, looking forward to hearing all about her journey and that adventure. Uh, I'm sure there are going to be plenty of cool stories to dive into there. So that's what we're going to do today. Going to be a good one. Guarantee you that. Uh, let's, do, let's do a quick giveaway here. How about, uh, as I'm looking at all these pictures of velvet antlered bucks on my stealth cams, uh, how about a stealth cam giveaway today? The Fusion X wireless cellular camera. We'll give one of those bad boys away. They, they retail for like 170 bucks. Uh, but just email the word stealth cam, that's stealth cam, to Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com, and you are entered into today's stealth cam giveaway. Let's take a break. Up next, BHA shows their true colors. We'll discuss on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Now, I ain't the toughest hickory that your axe has ever felt. But I'm a hickory just as well I'm a hickory all the same
In the market for a compact track loader, check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at one of our nine North Texas locations. Visit BobcatOfNorthTexas.com or call 469-586-0000 today. The original Texas Hunting Show is back. For 46 years, the Texas Trophy Hunters Extravaganza has been the official kickoff to Texas hunting seasons. Visit the world's top outfitters and guides. Get ready for the field with the latest hunting gear, rifles, clothes, and accessories. The granddaddy of them all is back August 5 through 7 in Houston, and this year only August 12 through 14 in Dallas at the K. Bailey Hutchison, and August 19 through 21 in San Antonio. Get the Texas Trophy Hunters Extravaganza on your calendar. More info at ttha.com. Hey guys, Cable here, and last year was a wild year for censorship. It's only continuing in 2022 uh, for us hunters and anglers. So I've partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoorsmen and women, by hunters and anglers just like you. It's a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, they're encouraged. Imagine that. Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. As you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too, such as gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so many more. Oh, and if you create a free account, you get 10 bucks to the store just for trying it out. Visit DownloadGoWild.com to get started, and I'll see you over there. Cable Smith, welcoming everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Thank you so much for being here today as um, we've got a very interesting Cable's Corner to get into momentarily. I'm going to lay out the facts. You can do what you want with them. Uh, Some people might be offended. I don't care. I never have. And as I look at the world today... I care even less than I did yesterday, than I did last week or last year, whether or not things I say offend you. Get over it. You don't have the right to not be offended in this world. If it offends you, don't listen. It's that easy. Don't follow. Do something else. When I don't like something, I just ignore it and go on living my life because it's really easy to do that. It's not hard at all. I do it every day. Um, but getting ahead of myself, this segment proudly brought to you by Mossberg Firearms and the Patriot Rifle lineup. Everything from a 22 250, which my kiddos love to shoot, all the way up to a 375 Ruger, which I don't think anyone likes to shoot. <laughs> Not for fun, anyway. Uh, but uh, certainly effective for Cape Buffalo and large game, dangerous game. Uh, but yeah, you can find the Patriot, the entire lineup, the wide spectrum of calibers available, all of it right there at Mossberg.com. And 
Well, that being said, let's talk about someone who's no friend of Mossberg's, who's no friend of the firearm industry, and someone who's no friend of mine. And that is the weasel, the human paraquat known as Ryan Bussey, the former VP of marketing and sales of Kimber Firearms for 20 years, who recently wrote the book Gunfight, claiming that the firearm industry racialized and radicalized America. This guy is as anti-Second Amendment as they make him. He is, in my opinion, the biggest... People like him are the biggest threat to hunting, our way of life, and the Second Amendment. Um, But I I chose to leave him alone. Because like I said, things that um, I see and I don't like, I just tend to ignore. However, he was incapable of that. And this goes back to, well, let me just lay the backstory out for you. Ryan came to my house about six or seven years ago, sat in this very studio. It might have been the previous studio. But he was here. He was a guest on the show. And we talked about BHA, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, where he was the chairman of the board. Um, They're based out of Montana. But he was in town for a pint night with the Dallas chapter. It's where the guys get together, drink beer. Pretty much all BHA does, really, in my opinion, is uh, talk about all the great things that they've done, which I'm still looking for the one thing they've done. Uh, But that's what they do. They do pint nights. And he was here. So anyway, came over to the studio. We had a good conversation on public lands, which uh, I'm a huge proponent of. I love hunting public lands. I do it every year. Ducks, elk, hogs, uh, pheasant, you name it. But I love going out west. Bear, mountain lion, those wild places mean as much to me as my beloved Texas. And um, the westerners, though, they don't really get Texas. Uh, they, They just don't. And Ryan came. We had a good conversation. Then I noticed... Uh, this was probably 2018, 2019, and he's the chairman of the board for BHA, which is self-proclaimed a nonpartisan organization, meaning no political affiliation. But the chairman of the board is hashtagging all of his posts, Blue Wave 2020, Blue Wave 2020. He's taking pictures with Democratic senators in Montana, Blue Wave 2020. I sent their CEO, Lantani, an email at the time. It said, Land, I can't even think about supporting this organization if your chairman of the board is Blue Wave 2020, everything, which, hey, you know, people in Texas aren't really down with. We like our guns, man. <laughs> Land, uh, I guess he got a hold of Ryan. Ryan sent me an email apologizing. He deleted a lot of those hashtags that he was using, and I didn't see much uh, more about it until you find out, and I, I'm sure that anyone paying attention, which I just wasn't, uh, looking at his page, nor did I care, but he comes out with his book in October of 2021 called Gunfight, which, like the subtitle, is How the Firearm Industry Radicalized and Racialized American Society. I mean, that's the gist of the book. Guns are bad. Guns are bad. Uh, ARs are racist. Assault rifles are racist, right? Dude. So, I still don't say anything. I don't post about it. Uh, but old Ryan just couldn't help himself by coming over to my Instagram and taking a crap on my page when I was so lucky 
to actually have my first $100 fill up at the pump. That's right. I filled up 21 gallons of gas to cost me $101.81 that day. And I just made a joke about it, talking about, I never thought this day would come. What a great day for Americans. Well, old Ryan, he couldn't he couldn't handle it, and he just uh, had to say, what was his comment? Uh, yeah. All the intellect of a MAGA crossed with a dumb frat kid. And I responded to him. Uh, I thought about it for a long time. And I, I wrote a, a pretty long post. And basically called him out and said, you know what, I... I was just ignoring you and your anti-Second Amendment, anti-American existence, but now I can't. And, and I don't like to get into back and forth with people on social media. I think it's pointless. But there's a time and a place to expose the cockroaches of this world, and uh, this man certainly fits that bill. Uh, I can't think of anyone who describes themselves as a, as a hunter and conservationist who is trying to get ARs outlawed while in the same breath saying they're conservationists, but we know what funds conservation in this country. It's Pittman-Robertson dollars. We know what the number one selling guns in America are. It's handguns and ARs. So you're a conservationist, but you're trying to undercut how we fund conservation. Uh, no, bro, that's that's not going to fly with me. So life goes on, and uh, he took a pretty good beating on, on my social media page from you guys, as it should be. Uh, and then uh, last week, I saw a picture of him. Oh, and you know, Ryan, he's been all over CNN and MSNBC and uh, really trying to position himself as the guy that they call on for gun commentary. Probably even a Democratic political campaign in his near future. He is actually on uh, the Giffords anti-gun violence um, group. He's actually a senior advisor for that organization right now. Uh, but ironically, I never hear about that organization giving a damn about the gun violence that is rampant in every major blue city in our country. No, no, no. It's only about taking away the guns from law-abiding citizens because you're elitist a-holes, and that's exactly what he is. But what about this past week in Indiana when a 22-year-old man thwarted a much, much higher body count? There was a mass shooting at a mall, and uh, the guy, the gunman killed three people before this 22-year-old fired at him 10 times with his handgun and killed him. But hey... They should have just waited on the police, and uh, everything would have been fine. No one else would have been killed, right? <laughs> uh, no. We know the best way to stop a bad guy with a gun is for good guys to have guns. That's just the world we live in. Um, back to Ryan Bussey and BHA. Um, I see on his Instagram last week that he is at some, he's somewhere in D.C. at some anti-gun event. And he says, um, this, are, this is what he put on his page. And it's a picture of himself. And it says, just a minute before I took this photo. It's a nice selfie, by the way, Ryan. Uh, I had a nice chat with Senator John Cornyn. Rhino douchebag in his own right. Uh, but yeah, I had a nice chat with Senator John Cornyn about doing the right, decent, and responsible thing for our country, just like real patriots do. 
the right, responsible, decent thing for our country, just like real patriots do. Let that sink in. Taking your guns away is the patriotic thing to do. Stopping all over the Constitution is the patriotic thing to do. Well, this is where it gets interesting, friends, because right there at the top of the post, you can see who liked it, and I didn't. And again, I wasn't going to say anything. Don't care. But here's where BHA screwed up. They liked that post. Right there, top. I just see it. It says liked by backcountry hunters and 165 others. So there's 164 morons out there, uh, 165 including the organization known as BHA. They liked the post. This is the former chairman of their board who they tried to distance from when he wrote the book Gunfight, also Kimber Firearms. Couldn't get away from him fast enough. Uh, but here was BHA's statement, and I had to screenshot their statement and screenshot his post and circle where they liked his, his post about disarming Americans because let's call it what it is. That's what he was there to do. It was an anti-gun uh, event where he was talking to a senator who just voted in favor of an anti-gun bill, and BHA liked it. Well, here's their official statement. They actually put out a statement. It says, BHA statement on the Bussy Book gunfight, pub published October 19th, 2021, by Katie McCaleb. Back, and this is just to summarize it. Backcountry Hunters and Anglers proudly supports the individual right to keep and bear arms as guaranteed by the Second Amendment to the United States Constitution. Hmm. Well, that doesn't really jive with what Ryan's doing, trying to get ARs banned. I mean, these people are in favor of gun confiscation, right? Make no mistake about it. Uh, the event that Ryan Bussey was at, what real patriots do. And then BHA liked it. Well, them liking it doesn't add up with their statement on that. Where there's smoke, there's fire. This is the former chairman of your board of directors, BHA. Whoever's running your social media account, and I imagine there's multiple people that have access to it, but you as an organization are out there liking his anti-gun post, and you're still claiming to be nonpartisan. And we as sportsmen know what funds conservation and keeps those wild places available to us for hunting and recreating and fishing and all that good stuff. We know what funds it, but you're liking posts that essentially would cut that funding? That doesn't make any sense and doesn't add up with your statement that you proudly support the individual right to keep and bear arms as guaranteed by the Second Amendment of the United States Constitution. So I had to screenshot that, circle their, their statement, and circle where they liked his post. And it didn't go well for Ryan, and it didn't go well for BHA. And just a side note, um, there is still a BHA chapter in Texas, but if you recall about four years ago, the original chapter came out came out with that hunt real deer campaign where they vilified high fences, blamed CWD spread in Texas on high fences. We don't even have CWD problems like they do in Montana and certainly in the Midwest and other states. Uh, but yet, and this just, will, and you'll see the elitist <laughs> nature, the elitist attitude of the people that will certainly run their social media and Ryan, who was the chairman of their board,
board of directors whom they elected to that position. Um, but yeah, so they did this hunt real deer campaign, which I really was adamant about getting shot down. And and then that chapter fell apart. And I would like to take some credit for that because they should never have done that. That flies in the face of BHA's mission statement where, uh, and I had even talked to land about these issues before. Hey, why can't New Mexico, the New Mexico chapter post um, about anti-hunting and anti-trapping legislation on public lands? Well, Land said, that takes away from the overall message of the organization. We don't want our state chapters to get involved in those kind of extracurricular activities. I'm thinking, that's exactly what they should get involved in. But yet, in the same breath, nationals sanction this smear campaign on Texas deer hunting. But according to Land and BHA, um, our state chapters aren't supposed to have their own little side projects or missions. It's supposed to be all about the greater good of the organization. No, no, no. Not when it comes to Texas. Okay. So we basically ran that chapter out of Texas and it wasn't even Texans that were on the board by and large. It was transplants. And that just goes to show you why they were so out of touch with our culture here, Uh, whether you like it or not. High fences are just part of Texas hunting culture. And that whole thing would see many of the the original Texas board members resign from the chapter altogether uh, and really show them what BHA was all about. Uh, That's where that was the last straw for me, though, um, and why I haven't supported BHA since and won't again unless they really uh, have a huge turnover among their leadership. But so here's what I said in response to Ryan's post about him being a patriot doing the decent and responsible thing for our country, blah, blah, yada, yada, yada. I said, whoever is running backcountry hunters' social media account might want to know their actual stance on the Second Amendment and quit liking Ryan Bussey author's anti-Second Amendment campaign smearing American firearm manufacturers while he tries to sell his book. Unless, of course, that was just a PR statement that BHA thought we all forgot about. And I already read you their statement about their support of the Second Amendment and the right to bear arms. Well, Ryan, <laughs> he sees the post. The, his response is so great. And this will show you exactly the elitist nature of, of this human being in the circle that he runs in. He says, okay, well, so happy you could find a little time between game feeder tuning to spend your valuable efforts on little old Ryan. As for me, I have some time because thankfully in Montana, we are still folks who can actually hunt without needing to sit in some condo contraption and lure in critters with electronic corn contraptions. Nothing fair chase about that But you do you and keep up the beer shotgunning. It's classy and on brand. I thought we were talking about the Second Amendment here, Ryan Bussey. Classic leftist deflection, right? And you just showed us what an elitist piece of trash you are because once again slamming texas deer hunting culture vilifying feeders saying that uh feeders and blinds aren't fair chase despite the fact that there's no fence anywhere around um but yeah dude we like our deer hunting culture we like our feeders and we like our guns and the point of all of this is and and I've been kind of quiet on BHA for a couple years, but that's over. Follow the money, 
I'm just going to say follow the money, and you will see what they are all about. Uh, they did, though, and this is comical. They did come out on that post that I made on Instagram and says, uh, Backcountry Hunters official page, apologies, this was a mistaken like. It has been removed or unliked. Is that not rich? You got called to the mat and you just crawfished all over it? Like, no, you liked that post. You liked the anti-gun, anti-conservation, anti-American post that this guy made. But the results and the backlash uh, wasn't wasn't something that you were ready for or willing to deal with. So we just unliked it. That's all I'm going to say about it. And, you know, I... I don't really like drama. Uh, this guy has sought it out for me now a couple times. And there's other things that he's done just kind of behind the scenes um, that I'm aware of. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, it's the clown world that we live in where you can call yourself a patriot for trying to do away with the Second Amendment. Make no mistake about it. These are the same morons who fly Ukrainian flags on their Facebook pages and you know try to make sure that the entire civilian ship of the Ukraine is armed with military grade weapons while at the same time trying to disarm American citizens does that make any sense it's just laughable oh and BHA champion the appointment of Deb Howland as secretary of the interior after she would not commit to a no net loss hunting philosophy she wouldn't do it SCI asked her, will you commit to no net loss hunting? Nope, wouldn't do it. She also just uh, did away with the with all transparency within her department, uh, doing away with the website that the Department of the Interior had where we could actually see where they were spending our taxpayer dollars. No, she just did away with it. doesn't exist anymore. So no accountability. And these are the type of people that this organization and this man run with. So, there it is. Do what you want with it. There's more information you can certainly find on the internet uh, about their funding and the politicians that they tend to want to back. Sadly, there's just no way that once they liked that post that I, you know, this had to be brought up. No way around it. They did it. It's their bed, and they're going to sleep in it. Um, I hope that that was a sincere apology and a uh, mistaken like, as they called it, on the post. But again, this is the former chairman of their board of directors that they elected. And I just don't, I don't think there's any way that you can't just connect the dots. So do what you want with that information. Uh, that segment brought to you by Big and J Whitetail Attractants and our friends over at Stealth Cam. Coming up next, one of the craziest quests that I've ever heard about. Uh, we'll check in with avid outdoor enthusiast, bird watcher, and hunter Tiffany Kirsten, who just finished up a big year. What does that even mean? Uh, we'll discuss right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show.
I'm Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, a full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Let's face it, guys. We all would love to own land, right? But they're not making any more of it. However, there's a solution. Lone Star Ag Credit has been helping its borrowers finance their own piece of paradise for over 100 years. Whether you want it for recreating, ranching, fishing, hunting, or just to get the hell out of Dodge for the weekend, visit Lone Star Ag Credit today to start making that dream a reality. I was born in Louisiana, down on the old bio. I raised on shrimps, catfish, mammy's good gumbo. I got the rambling fever, sent by the ma and pa. Cross that old red river, oh, this is what I saw. Cable Smith, welcome everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Thanks for dropping by today as we're about ready to check in with Tiffany Kirsten and hear all about her big year. Not sure exactly what that is, but I'm excited to find out. Uh, this segment of the presentation is proudly brought to you by NUMA. Geared for the outdoors, it's what I wear, whether I'm in the Whitetail Woods or uh, chasing elk in New Mexico, maybe a bear hunt in Canada, if they'll ever let me back in. Uh, but yeah, they've got something for every season. They've got merino wool base layers. They've got rugged outer layers, uh, hats, gloves, you name it, in that Kaza camo pattern. It's my favorite. And here are a couple cool things. Um, number one, they guarantee their gear for life. And when you think about how rough you are on your hunting clothing, it's just insane. Who would do that? Well, Numa does. Number two, you'll save 20% off your entire order when you use my promo code LONESTAR20 when you check out at numaoutdoors.com. That's Numa, P-N-U-M-A, outdoors.com. With that being said, let's bring her on right now. Joining us from, I believe, somewhere in South Texas, it is my pleasure to welcome Tiffany Kirsten to the show. Thanks. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. Uh, so where are you joining us from? I am in Mission, Texas, just a few miles from Mexico. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay, cool. And when did you first develop a love for bird watching? Uh, so when I was 12, uh, out of the blue, it must have been my mom's idea. My mom and I took a um, introductory birding class at a local nature center. I grew up in Wisconsin. Uh -huh. um, and so it was like a six or eight week class, one evening a week during the, the school week. I was in sixth grade um, and I was the only kid in the class and we saw lots of birds. I don't remember a lot of them. I honestly didn't see a lot of them um, because I just wasn't adept enough at using binoculars. Uh -huh. But we did see a field of like 2000 Sento cranes in the springtime, um, all like calling and displaying. And that was so that's my spark bird. That was the moment I was like, man, birds are cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Before I started hunting birds, one of the things that I did with my dad in the outdoors, we would go fishing and backpacking. And uh, every time we would see a new bird, we would mark where we saw it and the date in this 
it's just this blue birds of North America book. And I have it, I think it's in my bedroom in a drawer. I have a couple other books these days, Stokes birds, um, another popular one here, birds of North America, but that was something really cool that my dad and I did. And he's not a hunter. When I would get into my twenties, I would, I would start hunting those sandhill cranes that, that you, uh, that you love so much. Um, but you never lose that. And whether I'm sitting in a, you know, at a deer stand counting the cardinals or enjoying a, a stellar's jay flying among the fir trees on an elk hunt in the mountains of New Mexico, that's something that has always stuck with me. And, and I don't think it will ever go away. Um, but I was sitting in the doctor's office. My son and I were getting allergy shots the other day. And I picked up the reading fodder that was sitting on the table there. And it was the latest Texas Monthly. And there was your smiling face on the cover talking about uh, this big year that you just had. So what is a big year among the birding community? So a big year can can take so many forms um, and so many different, I guess, levels of forms almost. So a big year is spending 365 days uh, searching a given area for as many species of birds as possible. Um, and that area could be your, it, it really, it could be like your local park down the street, or it could be a county, or it could be a state. Um, I did the lower 48 states. Um, some people do the American Birding Association area, which is all 50 states plus Canada. Um, it's obviously as you increase the scale, um, it, it just, it, it increases <laughs> um, the amount of, of time and, and financial resources to be invested. Um, and then, so it's, it's a competition, but it's actually also completely on the honor system. Um, and so as a birder, you kind of build your reputation over the years and people either believe you or don't believe you. So um, I don't have documented every single bird that I saw last year. Um, and so some people do it competitively and some people do it, you know, more casually they'll, you know, their goal will be to see 300 species in one state or something like that. So you can compete against yourself or you can like go all out and, you know, compete for the record. And for those who pursue the big year, just in the lower 48, what's the gold standard? Like how many species are you looking for? There are something like 13 birders. I might've been 14, somewhere around there that have seen 700 or more species. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And so, you know, as I was thumbing through the article, I read that by February, you'd already checked off like 400 birds and we're talking about a calendar year here. So how many of those uh, species uh, of the species were you able to see right here in Texas? So I saw all year last year, I saw 383 species in Texas, um, kind of by accident. So there's species that are found here that you know, I saw elsewhere and just didn't happen to document, um, in Texas last year, but, um, yeah, I've been asked that before, like, well, how, how much did Texas contribute? Yeah. So 383 species. And it definitely, uh, did me well to be living here in the Rio Grande Valley. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, a little bit of the backstory, I guess, is that I was managing a nature center here and I lost my job in November of 2020. Um, and I've, I've guided people for bird watching um, on the side for like a decade. Um, and so when I lost my job, I had I bought a house actually earlier in 2020 and oh, then wow. lost my job in the middle of COVID and whatnot. So, um, yeah, I just started basically just showing people birds for money while I was applying for jobs all over the state and all over the country, frankly. Um, and it just kind of spiraled from there. So, um, 
January and February, it, I didn't decide to do a big year until the middle of February, actually. Um, but I had been guiding birders. I actually guided a birder who did an American Birding Association big year last year um, and took him around. And we got all the, the regularly occurring species here in the Rio Grande Valley and um, also got some of the rarities that we get because of the, um, the ecosystem here. The habitat type is similar to what it is in northern Mexico. It just makes its way just up here into the Rio Grande Valley. It's mm -hmm. tamalit and thorn scrub forest. And so we'll get some of those Mexican birds that just barely come across the border. Um, and birders want to work on their American Birding Association area list. People will keep a life list also. So they're like, oh, I need to see, you know, crimson collet, grosbeak and uh, blue bunting, some of those some of those birds that just barely, this is the only place in the U.S. that you can see them. Well, and there's so many other cool birds in South Texas. You know, you've got um, crusted caracaras, green jays, which I always love seeing uh, while I'm sitting in a deer blind. And then things like, uh, there was this one hawk that I saw this past year actually dive bomb a hen turkey. And I'm sitting on the front porch of the lodge looking out over this pasture. I see the hens. There's two hens there. I see the hawk swoop down and then just tail feathers flying everywhere. Uh, the hen ended up getting away. She flew off and the hawk had to be a third of the size of this turkey. And I was like, what is that? And um, we, we were able to get our binos out and see where the hawk landed in the tree. And it was like a white banded hawk or something like that. Not one that I'd ever seen before. Are you familiar with that one? Oh, white, this white, white tailed hawk? White tailed hawk. White tailed hawk. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. yeah, yeah, yeah. So white tailed hawk. Um, native to Mexico and, and just, you know, a little bit of South Texas, but it was cool to, to have that experience in the hawk was trying to kill the same thing I was hunting, uh, Rio Grande turkeys, uh, which I'm sure you also checked off your list this year. I actually, I know this is mostly like a hunting and, and fishing podcast. Um, I wanted to mention that I did slash do also hunt. And that's something that I think is really important is like a lot of times you get like, it's, it's like birders versus, hunters and fishermen, right? It's like, mm -hmm. no, we're like all here for the purpose of conservation and whatnot. So a lot of the learning that I did about birds actually early on was, was when I'd go out fishing with my dad and really got connected with the outdoors when I would go with my dad to like set up his hunting, uh, his deer stand for the hunting season and whatnot. Oh, that's so cool that you're one of the few who like bridge that gap of, yes, I am a hunter, but I also really enjoy watching birds. And um, I, I know also just from reading the article that you used to really be into archery until your archery instructor, y'all were at some kind of hunting camp or something and he drugged you and sexually assaulted you due to a lack of evidence. Like, you know, your word versus his, he, he got away with it. But I know that was um, very trying for you. Have you started shooting your bow again after that traumatizing experience? I went and finally, I had kind of seen it as like one of the sort of final steps in my healing is to go mm -hmm. back and shoot again because I've missed it. Um, and I did actually go a few weeks ago. Um, I got my bow checked out and um, rewaxed it and whatnot. Had to had to drop the draw weight from like 45 down to 35 That's all right. <laughs> um, to get back into it. So, um, yeah, so I've been I've been shooting again. I'm really excited to hopefully get back into um, into competing and I was because I, so I actually haven't shot anything yet with my bow. I've just been uh -huh. doing like precision archery competitions. Um, but I do really want to shoot like a pig or, or a deer or something. Um, yeah. this coming fall. So that's the goal of mine for sure. Well, this is just gravy. I mean, the fact that you are so interested in hunting and, and grew up doing it with your dad, um, because I think 
you know, like I said, for me, I started out bird watching with my dad before hunting, but I, I believe that every outdoorsman, I know they do. They enjoy seeing those birds while they're out in nature, pursuing much larger things a lot of the time. Have you shot a deer previously? I have not. I, I went deer hunting one year in college. It's funny because um, I, I fished all the time with my dad growing up ever since I was little. He, he has like photos of me when I'm like two or three years old, like handing him the fish to clean afterwards and like licking my fingers and whatnot. In Wisconsin? Uh, in Wisconsin, yeah. So these are these walleye or what was your Yeah, favorite? yeah, perch, walleye, bluegill. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, so so I, I was always into fishing and my brothers and my dad, I, w- I was raised by my dad um, and I have three brothers. So um, they were always into hunting and I was like, no, no, no. Like, I'm never going to kill an animal like that. You know, that's not mm. conservation, which obviously growing up and learning, I have a degree in, in wildlife ecology. Um, like, oh, yeah, like that is conservation as long as it's done, you know, um, yeah. with the guidelines and everything. So I went away to college and my first semester of college, uh, my friend Ian introduced me to hunt small game hunting. And so we went squirrel hunting and rabbit hunting and, oh, cool. um, and yeah, so then I came back. Um, my family actually is, um, <laughs> we could get, if we get to careful, we could get completely onto a, uh, hunting tangent for the whole rest of this podcast probably. But, um, my family is big into raising German short hair pointers. Um, oh, cool. And one of the big Christmas things they do is, is go to a game farm where they release a hundred pheasants, um, you know, and we run pointers in the morning and labs in the afternoon. Mm. Uh, and so I, I got home from that first season away from college. Like I'm a hunter now. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so awesome. I joined them for the, the Christmas festivities, if you will, that year. Well, that's an awesome family tradition. Uh, but then again, I've always had a soft spot for, for any hunting dog. We are going to knock out a quick break. We'll come back and get into the details and the logistics of how Tiffany's big year played out. Uh, That segment brought to you by Rustic Reminders, Taxidermy, and John X Safaris. The date's booked once again. It's uh, May 22nd through the 30th, 2023. That's next spring. I've got a few spots still open. So uh, grab your buddies, grab your girlfriend, um, grab your kiddos. It's family-friendly environment. It's whatever you want it to be. It's the trip of a lifetime hunting planes game in South Africa on the beautiful Eastern Cape. Talk about a target-rich environment. Uh, I would know. Been there five times. So love for you to join me for more info on that trip. Shoot me an email to Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com. We'll be right back. Just let them all go. Don't like the wind blowing tumbleweeds from Odessa to El Paso. Let the bad times roll off your shoulders. I know you can roll on, brother, and don't look back. It's time to tell you about Protect Products. Veteran-owned and made in the USA, Protect makes your water work harder for you in the field. They have a hydration electrolyte formula for endurance and replenishment. It's perfect for elk hunting, right? Uh, Energy formula for when you need an extra kick. Immunity for optimizing the immune system. And one of my favorites, the rest formula to ensure deep sleep and proper recovery. All the formulas are liquid, so they mix instantly in your water bottle or camelback. And the cool thing is, They don't gunk them up like a powder with that messy residue. They also have an easy-to-use line of mineral sunscreen for quick and odorless application and all-day protection in the field. For more info, 
head over to protect.com to see their entire lineup. That's protect, P-R-O-T-E-K-T.com. The granddaddy of all hunting shows, the 2022 Hunter's Extravaganza is back August 5th through the 7th at the NRG Center. See the best bucks taken last season in our annual deer contest. Free entry for police officers, first responders, and active military with an ID. And kids under five. Experience the latest in hunting technologies and equipment. And don't miss the 2022 Hunter's Extravaganza. Details and tickets at TTHA.com. Hey guys, Cable here for Cryo and More, the one-stop feel-good shop in McKinney, Texas. I've been going there for over a year now. All your holistic healing needs with cold, heat, and compression therapy services. And these services, they're the fastest way that I've found to reduce inflammation and to get to the root cause of pain. You don't need to be in pain, though, in order to benefit from these services. Cryotherapy helps with burning calories, optimizing sleep, boosting energy, and much more. I can tell you that's true because I feel like a brand new man every time I get out of the cryo chamber. Uh, plus, compression therapy helps promote healthy blood flow. Come in anytime before 1 o'clock, 1 p.m., Monday through Saturday. Say the words cold outdoors and you'll get $10 off your cryo session. That's cryoandmore.com. Cable Smith, welcome everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. We're still visiting with Birder and uh, Hunter and Survivor, Tiffany Kirsten, and we will uh, pick it back up with her momentarily. First, though, I need to tell you about this cool thing I have going on with Vortex Optics. 10% off any optic with that Lone Star 10 promo code when you shop at eurooptic.com. So uh, head over there. And pick out your favorite Vortex rifle scope, spotter, binos, rangefinder, you name it. They carry it all. 10% off at eurooptic.com. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get back into that conversation with Tiffany Kirsten as we are going to hear all about how this big year played out. So, Tiffany, by February, you've seen over 400 birds in Texas, and you decide that you're going to make this a big year. So, what happens next? Do you just load up the car and start driving west? It is. And most people that do a big year on the scale plan it for at least months, if not a year. Um, there's a lot of birders who it's like their bucket list item. They're like, oh, I hope at some point in my life I'm in a situation right, where I can just drop all my responsibilities and have the funds to travel for a year and doing a big year and whatnot. And that has never been me. Um, it just doesn't quite fit my, I mean, I have like a little bit of an obsessive personality type, <laughs> um, but it's never been something that's interested me like to be that motivated to expend all that effort and energy and money and everything. Um, so when I decided, um, the middle of February that I was going to do a big year, I was actually in Arizona, um, on a week long, just trip to go see a couple of species of birds that I had never seen before that were being seen in Arizona. And, um, so I was going to spend a week and like kind of circumnavigate the state and then come back. 
um, to Texas and start guiding again. And then, um, I don't know, just something clicked. And I was like, if I, if I'm ever going to do this, I'm going to do it now. So I had no plan. Um, and then I was, you know, most of the way to California at this point. And it was like, well, do I go to California and get all the California birds now? Do I go home and regroup and try to plan this out? Like, what do I do? Um, so I ended up going to California and that first trip ended up being like three and a half weeks. Um, Birded from San Diego up to San Francisco, stayed with a friend in San Francisco for a couple of days, did some more birding there, drove back to San Diego, took a boat trip because there's species of birds that actually spend their entire lives at sea on the water day and night, except for when they come to um, breed yes, yeah. rocky, rocky islands or rocky coastlines. So and then I flew to Minnesota uh, because most most big year birders actually start the year in New England. There's a lot of birds that are wintering that that breed like even further north in the Arctic, and then um, they winter in the northern United States, and mm. so they're more reliable in January and February. Um, they're just kind of more settled wherever they're going to be for the season, um, and they're less reliable in December. But that ship had already sailed for a lot of those places, so I did quick go up to northern Minnesota and get some boreal species, some owls and whatnot. Um, that are up there only in the winter time. And, uh, and then flew back to San Diego and drove home, stopped in New Mexico for some species. And um, yeah, then I got home and it, once I got home, it was like, okay, I need to regroup. I need to plan this out because I had no point of reference. So as a passionate duck hunter, I'm envisioning you sitting there with a pair of binos looking at big rafts of ducks. Like, oh, there's a widgeon, there's a gadwall, there's a northern shoveler or a spoonie which is exactly what I'd be doing if I was scouting for ducks. Am I close here? I mean, is, is that what you did? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so when you do a big year, you want... I'm scouting. I'm looking like I'm going to hunt them tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a really interesting thing actually about ducks and duck hunting versus bird watchers is that mm -hmm. duck hunters always seem to find and shoot these really rare birds. Like there's ducks <laughs> that'll show up from time to time that belong in Europe. And they are harvested by hunters like more often than they're seen by birders. It's really, it's really a crazy phenomenon. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I did go looking for those. Um, a lot of those, as, as I'm sure you know, are like quite prevalent in a lot of the US. So my focus actually was on um, traveling to see some of the rarer species mm -hmm. and then picking up kind of the more common ones along the way. Um, but things like Barrow's Goldeneye um, which I got, um, I think I got my first one in California. I saw some later than in Washington state, um, that some, some of the duck species that are less prevalent all over the place. I definitely, um, went and targeted and a Eurasian widgeon, um, I got in Arizona last year. I think the most interesting thing I've had the dog bring back was a common golden eye, which is not common at all for the central flyway. It's more of like Atlantic or Mississippi flyway. Uh, but we also shot some Egyptian geese one time, which was really gnarly. Oh, take but, them off. <laughs> yeah. Do those do, do birds like that count? So counting, yeah. So what counts and doesn't count is very interesting. Um, it's kind of, well, so if you're not doing a competitive big year, it's your list. So count mm -hmm. what you want, don't count what you don't want, right? Um, but in a competitive big year like this, the American Birding, Birding Association actually sets sets the rules for what's countable and what's not. Um, and that, so Egyptian goose amongst a lot of other species is a, a species that doesn't belong here, right? It was right. introduced um, it's an, and it has an established population now. And so the American Birding Association decides which of these introduced species 
um, is is considered countable. And Egyptian goose is one, but then they actually also specify where you can count it. So if I remember right, Egyptian goose is countable in Florida and now countable also in central Texas. But if you were to see like one in some random park in Colorado or something, it wouldn't be countable. Um, so it's very specific. And that well, we took two out of that central Texas population. <laughs> that day. Oh, we had no idea what they were. The dog brought them back. We're like, what? These geese have pink feet. Um, what is going on here? <laughs> and we had to like look up what these things were. There's, there's a lot of different established bird populations. Um, lots of like parrots and parakeets. Um, and they, they drive me nuts. They drove me nuts. They were my least favorite thing about last year, especially there's a lot of them that are in urban areas. And there's a high concentration of different exotic species that are considered countable, specifically in the Miami area in Florida. Um, And so I was like, just having to drive around by myself. You're like driving around, trying not to get an accident and and looking around and trying to find these stupid birds that don't belong here to begin with. Uh If Uh if I were to count them for my own list, I would, uh, I would, yeah, just not count them because I (laughs) believe in introduced species, but yeah a tick is a tick when you do a big year so i had to go get so doing all this travel alone and having the recent history that you do um is that something that weighed on your mind and and as a result were you always carrying a a handgun or um because i imagine you, you found yourself in some pretty remote locations yeah so it was on um, February 10th when I decided to do my big year and I was driving from West Texas um, through New Mexico and Arizona, as I mentioned. And just a few days after that, three or four days after. So, so I was assaulted in summer of 2018. It's been mm-hmm. four years at this point. It was three years, less than three years at the time that I had decided to do a big year. Um, I was three or four days later. Um, so I, as soon as I did it, as soon as I decided to do it, I got on my social media and I like did a, a story on my Instagram and my Facebook. And I was like, I don't know what the future holds for me. I'm probably gonna have to quit and get a real job at some point. Like, but for now I'm going to go see how many species I can see. Right. Like I'm heading to Arizona and I'm going to go to California. And so three days later, I was standing at this very remote uh, mountaintop had really limited cell reception um, near Madera Canyon. Um, in Southeast Arizona. And I was looking for a bird called a, a black cap gnat catcher and not finding it. Uh, it's, it's a really remote area. And I was the only one there, um, which was like a little bit concerning to begin with. And then there's just like the physical safety aspect too. And the terrain is really rough. You know, you could come upon a rattlesnake or something. It's just who, you know, there's already just like the, the just general concerns that anyone would have about spending time remote in nature. Um, and so my phone started dinging like a bunch of times in a row, um, which I had, you know, I had been in and out of cell reception. I was like, what's going on? And I was getting all these messages and the messages were about this um, really highly publicized um, sexual assault that came out um, in the birding community. So the birding community, as many people as there are, is very, very close knit all throughout the U.S. Very, very close knit. Um, mm-hmm. So this news came out that this young man, uh, assaulted his new girlfriend, uh, while they were out birding. Um, and I definitely did a double take. I was literally standing in this really remote area just a few days after having decided to do this. And I, I didn't know what to do. I was like, do I do this? Am I, am I just putting myself at risk for something like this to happen to me again with all this remote travel I have planned? And, um, 
but I want, you know, I wanted to, to continue, but it was like, am I, am I being brave or am I being stupid? Mm. And I think as women, um, you know, we, we're constantly, we are constantly missing out on opportunities to like fully live um, in the interest of self-preservation. And so it was really that decision that I had to make. Do I keep doing this or do I not? Um, and I decided to keep going, but it definitely hearing about that definitely had an impact on me. And it definitely um, made me feel just more concerned and aware and alert um, than I otherwise would have been in the coming weeks. So, so you didn't carry a firearm then? Um, so I did a few of my trips. I, I do have a handgun, um, mm. a cute little Kimber. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I don't, Care, I don't keep it with me very often. Once in a while, I would uh, take it with me and leave it in my vehicle um, mm-hmm. on a trip. But I do, I did end up after that first trip or during that first trip, I guess, a few days after I heard about the other assault, um, this advertisement came up in my social media for a, a, a company called She's Birdie um, that has nothing to do with bird watching. Um, they make personal safety alarms um, targeted, marketed towards women. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a little, a little handheld keychain, um, and you pull the tab on the top. It's 130 decibels, so it's it's really loud. Um, that's not going to solve all situations you might find yourself in. Yeah. Uh, but I, I um, reached out to them, and I came up with a partnership idea with them um, that they agreed to. And so by the time I got home from that trip, I had a box of these alarms at my front step. Um, and from there on out, I carried one with me. And I was uh, gift fundraising um, both for my travels and to purchase the alarms at a discounted price. And then I was giving them out to the women that I met um, on my oh, travels. Cool. Yeah. Considering that you had just purchased a house and then subsequently lost your job prior to undertaking this big year, I'm sure that uh, financially it was a pretty taxing undertaking. It was. Yeah. And, and my travel was definitely super budget travel. I have a Chevy spark, which is like one step smaller than a Honda fit one step bigger than like a smart car. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really fuel efficient. So that's a plus for sure. Um, and then I was, you know, I was camping and cooking over like a little propane camp stove and lots of condensed soup and just snacks in my car. So it was super, super, uh, super budget year. Okay, so very frugal travel budget. Let's um, let's knock out our last break, Tiffany. We'll come back and hear how your big year became a record-breaking year. I know there were some low points, and probably you know towards the end you're banging your head against the wall saying, "I just got to find one more species." I want to hear all about that. Uh, that segment brought to you by All Seasons Feeders and Blinds and the 600-pound Stand and Fill Feeder. We'll be right back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Yours more than most. Spend your whole life wondering with the look on your face like it's ain't a gold. America's Coffee Company has something for everyone. I'm talking about Black Rifle Coffee, of course, veteran owned and operated. Whether you prefer a light, medium, or dark roast, they've got a plethora of each. And here's the cool thing they've also got K cups now. So if you're a, a Keurig kind of person, yeah, they've got you covered there. Actually, I'm sipping on the. Uh, hazelnut k-cup today because some days i just don't want to make a whole pot of coffee but whatever the case they've got something for you and you'll save 20 percent off of not only your coffee order but all of that awesome second amendment unapologetically american swag that they're known for caps t-shirts hoodies etc 
yeah, 20% off of all that stuff as well with my promo code LONESTAR20 when you check out at BlackRifleCoffee.com. Cable here, and if you're like me, you probably enjoy bold flavors and cuisines. And nobody does Cajun and Creole better than Chris's Specialty Foods in Frisco. Their forte includes specialty sausages, boudins, and andouille, pre-cooked soups, gumbos, and sides, where all you have to do is heat it up. What about high-quality steaks, smoked and fried turkeys, turduckins, and turduckin rolls for the holidays, plus gift boxes. Storefront conveniently located off Dallas Parkway in Frisco, or shop online at chrisspecialtyfoods.com and have it delivered to your door. Tactical Skeleton Firearms specializes in custom AR-10 firearms. They're best known for their AR-10 308 pistols. Also, dual-caliber AR-10 rifle systems and dual-caliber AR-15 takedown pistols. Tactical Skeleton specializes in custom Cerakoting engraving, and they'll custom laser-cut the foam insert inside your hard gun case. They'll also take on any exotic-caliber build offered on the AR-10 or AR-15 platform. Precision machining and hand-built quality guaranteed by a lifetime warranty? Who does that? Get free shipping on your order when you visit tacticalskeleton.com today. Every little swallow, every chickadee, every little bird in the tall tree, the wise old loud, the big black crow, flop of their wings, sing and go, bird, go, rock and robin, rock and robin. Cable Smith, welcoming everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Thanks for tuning in today. Uh, we are still talking about Tiffany Kirsten's big year, and we'll get back into that conversation in just a second. This segment, though, brought to you by SCI, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. I'm a proud member. You should think about becoming one, too, and here's why. Because no group does more to protect your rights as a hunter, as a sportsman, and as a conservationist. They're fighting on the front lines in Washington, D.C. daily, and um, they're invested both domestically and internationally. For more information on how to become a member, just head over to safariclub.org. Okay, well, Tiffany, um, as we are wrapping things up here, talk about how many states you actually visited in the lower 48? Uh, maybe there were states like uh, Rhode Island. You're like, eh, there's nothing there for me. I don't know. But uh, how much of the country did you actually see? There, there, was, there, was, there were some states like that. Yeah. So I, um, I traveled to 31 states. Okay. And when did it go from checking off a bird every day or five or 10 birds every day to just grinding and, and sometimes being lucky just to see one new species? I'm sure that uh, mentally... There had to be some points where you're just like, gosh, this is uh, is this worth it? This is frustrating. <laughs> it it was um yeah, diminishing returns for the birds and both for like the level of <laughs> happiness or life satisfaction that goes along with it. Sep- September was pretty slow. Some of the summer months were pretty slow. Um, September was a little bit slow. I did a road trip actually from here in South Texas um, to San Diego, all the way up to Washington State. Um, and then back down, it was like 7,000 miles. It was epic. It was amazing. I saw redwoods for the first time. Um, I had planned out a lot of, a lot of these birding boat trips, pelagic, pelagic boat trips. Um, and so I had time in between. So I added a good amount of birds in September on that trip. And then October, it started to get really slow. Um, October 2nd, I hit 700 species with blue footed booby, just kind of ironically that, that bird species that like every non-birder knows what a blue-footed booby looks like it seems like um and then uh came home after that and once i so my my public goal actually was 700 species 
Mm. Um, and the, the record was 724, all-time record that was set um, in 2020. So I got home from that trip. I think I was at 701 or 702 when I got home from that trip. And I was like, do I continue this? Is this worth going into debt for? (laughs) (laughs) It's like the big question. And it was about to get exhausting because I knew if I was going to continue on, it was going to mean single bird flights, like flying to locations to pick up literally just one single bird, which would be a rarity that had been seen in that area. Tell us a little bit about a few of those flights for literally one specific species. Oh, where to start? Um, well, so I actually flew to Florida for a bird in April. Um, I was tracking this other, the other big year birder that I had guided in January. Right. And, and he went to go see this bird and um, some other friends of mine who basically do a big year every year uh, went to go see this bird. And like everyone was going to see this bird. It's called the Western Spindalis. Um, it was not far outside of Miami. Blank stare uh, for me. I don't know what that one is. Yeah, it, it's, it belongs in like, uh, yeah, it belongs in Cuba. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, so I just like, I just booked a ticket for the next day and I went and the plane ticket was more than $600 uh, and the car rental was $212. It was spring break. Uh, yeah. <laughs> car rental was $212 for 24 hours. Um, and I got a hotel room and long story short, the, it like that bird cost me like a month's mortgage basically. Um, and I was like, I'm never doing that again. It was April. I was like, what on earth? What was I on? What was I thinking? That was insane. No, no more chasing single birds again. But then come October, um, like mid October into especially November and December. Yeah. It was, it was, I was regularly chasing, um, individual birds. So, um, I went up. Um, I went up for some of the species also that I had kind of just figured I wouldn't go for this, a bird called Smith's longspur that winters in Oklahoma. Mm. Um, and I was like, well, if I go for that, there's nothing else around it. So if I go either drive or fly up to Oklahoma, which driving up to Oklahoma is like 12 hours from here. Um, that would only be that species. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to do that one. I'm not going to do that one. So once I hit 700, I was like, okay, let me look at like what's left of these birds that I didn't want to go for individually. And I thought, well, the record is not likely, but it's like, it's maybe possible. Um, so then I started going for those. And so I, I had gone for Smith's Longspur that actually ended up being the bird that tied the record 724. Um, and I, I was connecting by the end of the year, I was connecting with a lot of women birders um, via social media and they were following me and it was really fun. Cause I would, I would post and I'd say, I'm going to be at these locations and these dates, you know, if anyone wants to meet up. Um, so I was able to network with women that way. And a lot of them, you know, without, I never blatantly asked, but a lot of them offered to pick me up from the airport or have me stay at their place or like take me to a bird or, cool. Um, so that helped a lot with, uh, travel expenses. So I was looking at Smith's Longspur in the middle of this vacant, like just vast field area, um, in Oklahoma, when I got a text message that a bat falcon was seen here in the Rio Grande Valley, um, at Santa Ana National Wildlife Refuge, where I used to work. My first job here was there. Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm on their friends board now. Um, so I I looked at these, I was with two strangers in the middle of this field and I was like, we have to go. We saw this Miss Longspur and I was trying to photo document it. Um, but, uh, they're, they're really stulky birds. So I was like, we need to, we need to go. I don't know if I need to go to Tulsa. We were halfway between Tulsa and Stillwater. Um, and we had already like compared notes and they're like, wherever you need to go next, we're happy to either take you back to Tulsa or take you to Stillwater. 
Um, it was 20 degrees in the middle of the field. I couldn't, growing up in Wisconsin, I should be used to it, but after eight years here in Texas, like my fingers weren't working. Uh. Um, So we like got in the car, I warmed up my fingers enough to like figure out flights, how I was going to get home. Okay. We need to go back to to Tulsa. And two hours later I was on plane, Tulsa to Dallas, Dallas to McAllen. And then I, I like literally ran to my car, um, drove the 20 minutes to the refuge and then ran the half mile, uh, in to the bird bat falcon. It's the first time that that species has ever been seen in the United States. And it came up from Mexico. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. And so that incredible. was the bird that broke the record. <laughs> this bird that had never been documented in this country breaks the record. That is pretty cool. Um, so that gives you 725. You would get one more species. And, and and just holding up this bird book here, I don't know how many species are in here, birds of North America, but what percentage of our bird species did you see during your big year? Uh, in the United States, there's roughly a thousand species that have been seen. So you're like 70% of them. U.S. and Hawaii. Hawaii would be interesting because they have so many invasive species there. I I was there on an axis deer hunt in May, and I look over, and there's this thing that looks like a cardinal, but it's got like a white body, black, like lower half, and then just a bright red head. It was, I was like, what, where is that from? Red red, red cardinal. (laughs) And then I look it up and it's like native to Brazil. Yeah. And then they've got like these weird dove species that we don't have on the mainland that aren't native there either. Uh, But what what was the last bird? What was number 726? So after that, uh, you know, I again had to make a decision. Do I go even more in debt to try to pad the record, you know, or do I just Mm. be happy with, with having it? Um, and so I, I flew to New Jersey, um, well, I flew to Philadelphia and then a friend of mine picked me up. We went to New Jersey to go get a Northern lapwing, which belongs in Eurasia. It's a shorebird. It's kind of like a bedazzled killdeer. Hmm. What a killdeer looks like. It's a oh, yeah. bedazzled, extra jazzy killdeer. Um, so went and saw that one that was on December 20th. Have you ever seen a killdeer on their, or been close to one on their nest? I've come across them. Mm-hmm. I used to play a lot more golf than I do now, but, uh. They're aggressive. They don't like. They like. Yeah. They bow yeah. up to you. Broken wing. Broke, broken wing technique too. Yeah. I need you away from the nest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, parents. The lap wing. <laughs> Sorry. No worries. Um, yeah. So I saw that bird, and then you know, I was like, well, I've got another week or so here to I might as well just continue on. So I went from New Jersey to California, and I spent two days looking for a common crane amongst thousands of sand hills and mm. didn't find it. I spent Christmas Eve and Christmas day by myself driving around perpetually for hours <laughs> and hours in these fields of sand hill cranes and trying to be, trying to be thankful and feel fortunate. And I was like, well, at least I'm amongst my spark bird you right. know, these days, but it was, uh, so yeah, so I missed it. I never saw that one. Um, and then I flew to, uh, flew to Norfolk, Virginia and went to Hatteras, North Carolina, um, on another, uh, birding fishing boat, uh, birding boat, um, and hoping for a, a seabird called a great skua, which is not a given. We probably had about a 50% chance roughly of, of finding one. Um, and that trip was supposed to be on December 29th and it got weathered out to December 30th and then it got weathered out again to December 31st. So that ate up the whole rest of my year and I did not get, we did not get a great skua. Um, I was completely exhausted. November and December were completely exhausting. Uh, halfway through the boat trip, I was like, that sounds like falling asleep. 
yeah. And uh, I was like, I don't even, if we just like, if the boat just turned around halfway through the day and went back and we didn't see a great skua, I just, I wouldn't even care at this point, even with having spent the money to get out there. So, <laughs> so that's where, that's where you left it. It's the new record, 726. Uh, except, yeah, except it was broken again a few days ago. It was? <laughs> well, we didn't know that, but it doesn't matter. I hope you uh, air this episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, what is it what is the new record uh, i mean it's it's july so there's two brothers from oh my tennessee. gosh yeah, there's two july. brothers from tennessee that have been driving all over the place um i think they've flown a little bit here and there but they've mostly been doing it all by vehicle crisscrossing the u.s mm. um and they've just had yeah they've just been um you know really uh <laughs> embracing it and doing it full you know i i was uh, during my big year i was you know coming home for a couple weeks at a time and guiding and making some money too and um i'm a field tech with swarovski optic as well binoculars uh-huh. and spotting scopes um and so i was working some birding festivals around the country for them where i'd be kind of tied up for like five days at a time um so i did not have like full flexibility full availability in my schedule to really be hundred percent committed to this. And it also was like on this super, super budget, um, mm-hmm. which these, these brothers are clearly not on <laughs> as much of a budget as I was. Um, I actually spent just barely over $22,000 all year. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. New, new car or a whole year worth of experiences, you know, which one yeah. well, <laughs> you, you can always, you know what, you can always make more money. So what was the bird? that you were the most surprised to see where you were like, wow, I can't believe I just saw that. And I don't know, maybe it was the bat falcon. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. The bat falcon. I, I think the bat falcon was the only bird that was like the first U S record that I saw mm. this year. The first time it has ever been seen in the U S that was the rarest, but I had this really fun experience. It was in March. Yeah. In March um, at a park here in the Rio Grande Valley, actually I was, I was guiding um, I was guiding this family of beginning birders. So it was a husband and wife and their kid, two kids, maybe like eight and 10 years old. And we had just gotten to this feeding station at Estero State Park in Westlaco. Uh, someone came up to me and said there was a yellow-faced grass quit uh, that was seen here at the feeders just a few minutes ago, which that's a bird that's been seen in the United States only a handful of times. Uh. Um, we're in Texas only a handful of times. I think Florida might have a few more records, but, but very rare, not expected at all. Um, so I was talking with this family and, uh, you know, they're beginning birders. It's their first time in the Rio Grande Valley. They have tons and tons and tons of species they've never seen here before. Um, so they had the decision to what, to either wait at the speeding station for this one really rare bird or like spend, you know, max our time seeing all the other species they had to see still. So I explained to them the situation, explained to them how rare this bird was. Um, and then I gave them a few minutes to, you know, decide. So they had a little five minute powwow as a family. Uh, and then they said, okay, we decided we'd like to move on. <laughs> oh. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, this is, this is your day. And like trying to just hide my disappointment as much as possible. Um, uh-huh. And they, they did I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I, I must've told them that I was doing a big year, but you know, it was their day. They were, they were paying me. So yeah, uh, we took, we took some steps and we walked about 25 yards and then we heard someone like yell from the feeding station. There it is. And we raced back there and we saw the bird for like seven or eight seconds um, identifiable looks. And then it was never seen again. So that was one of my favorite experiences. (laughs) Just, you know, we were there on happenstance and, you know, right place, right time. And Mm -hmm. the grandma actually of the kids, the the parents, parents, one of the parents, parents, 
um, was a birder and the birder that got them into birding. And they called, they called their grandma right there. He said, Oh, we just saw a yellow faced grass quit. And she's like, yeah, right. Like they, they completely thought she thought that they were just totally bullshitting them. Uh-huh. Um, and they were like, no, no, no. Like we really did. <laughs> that was fun. Well, Tiffany, I've really enjoyed the conversation. Like I said, I just came across the article in Texas monthly by happenstance and immediately became very interested in your story. Thanks for uh, making time for us today. Thank you. It was super fun. What's your Instagram if folks want to follow along? Uh, It's Tiff underscore K underscore 13. T-I-F-F underscore K underscore 13. And do you have plans to ever pursue another big year? Never again. (laughs) (laughs) It was amazing. It was absolutely life-changing. I guess that's what I didn't have much time to touch upon. But like, I'm a different person um, than I was a year and a half ago. Um, Lots of solo time in the car and, you know, lots of travel, lots of time to reflect and um, healing opportunities for, yeah, healing and growth. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody's situation is different, right? But I, I certainly believe the outdoors and that connection with nature can lend to the healing process, no doubt, uh, in whatever capacity that may be. Yeah. Um, well, I certainly enjoyed it. it. It took me back to my childhood and, and, checking off those birds with my dad on our outdoor adventures. And so I appreciate, uh, I appreciate it from that aspect more than, you know, thanks again for your time today. It was a real treat and I hope that you have a great rest of uh, 2022. Thank you. So there you have it. Tiffany Kirsten's record breaking big year. And, uh, I also hope that she gets that buck this year or a doe, you know, with her bow, something she said she was certainly, um, interested in and, and pursuing. So, I hope that works out for her as well. That segment of the presentation was proudly brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee, America's coffee company, veteran-owned and operated. You know that. Unapologetically patriotic and pro-gun. Hey, sounds familiar. Uh, But yeah, they've got a roast for everyone, light, medium, dark, you name it. They've got a bunch of options for each profile. And they've also got that great unapologetic swag that they've always put out. So whether you're looking for a cap or t-shirt or hoodie, uh, so on and so forth, just head over to blackriflecoffee.com and uh, use that promo code LONESTAR20 when you check out. See what happens. You're going to like it. Uh, Unfortunately, we are out of time for today. Thanks to Tiffany. Um, Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you guys and gals for being a part of SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying, y'all have a great week in the outdoors. When the dove flew steady and the ducks came down Like a painter's vision from the cold gray clouds We crossed all the fences in those days no one came Another adventure, a picture to remind In your mama's scrapbook in case the neighbor came by And oh